This show is distributed by SoundCloud. Welcome. Welcome to episode 149 of Texting, hosted by myself, Justin Vincent, and Jason Roberts. Hey, Jason, how you doing? I'm doing great. How you doing? Doing good. Pretty good. So I noticed you're lighting up the Twittosphere with your TweetBoard.me product. What's the, what's the story? Well, um, as you guys know, I've been working on it for the past couple of weeks. I guess about two weeks uh, working this. Um, I released it on Saturday, yesterday at 10 a.m. As I'd promised last podcast that I was going to do, and to be honest, I got pretty stressed (laughs) to make sure that it could be released at that time. In fact, to the point where when it was released, the stressful thing was I got all, I got the votes, I got it on the front page of Hacker News and it didn't freaking work. (laughs) So it was like, it was going up the front page of Hacker News and it wasn't working. And that is a very stressful experience. So people are voting it up upon the promise of what it might do if it worked. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. (laughs) Well, well, how long how long did it take you to fix the problem? How long was it on the front page before you fixed it? Well, the first thing I realized was that I could you could go to Lady Gaga's tweet board and it worked. Okay. So I swapped the link and I said I, I quickly said, you know the way you can kind of edit the comment in Hackers News? I said, Okay, it's not working, but you can see it if you click this link, go to Lady Gaga's tweet board, and then you can see it. In the meantime, I'm trying to fix it for you, for everyone else. And the problem was that clout, um, what I'd done was I'd, I'd keep the whole thing off clout because I'd kind of made this assumption. <laughs> okay, look, clout's always going to return good data. I mean, this is a massive company. You know, these guys have got an awesome API. They've got massive limits. So they're always going to give me back good data. So right. what happened was, what for whatever reason, they had a glitch in their API a glitch. <laughs> it's always a damn glitch, isn't it? So their glitch was... And well, ret- and, and yeah, their glitch became your glitch. <laughs> so their glitch was returning back null data. And what? Um, so I was... The, the way that I'm doing is I'm doing everything through... This is another thing that we can talk about as well. I'm doing the single page pattern and I'm doing everything through um, tracking hash changes in the query string. So basically, okay. when you when you do tweetboard.me and I pretty much... Um, copied Twitter and I think Twitter do it as well because it's it's the way that Google do it to get stuff indexed they expect stuff to be forward slash hash exclamation mark whatever so does that make sense yeah okay um the the no it's it's the hash the hash works for uh like what I what they call it it's an anchor tag not an anchor mm-hmm. tag it's a it's a bookmark within a page I forget the terminology what is it called when you're trying to a na- name tag is a name tag? Yeah, is that all I think it's so, called? Yeah, yeah. I thought it was like a fragment or something, page fragment. Oh, anyway. Yeah. Um, and then Google is a little different because they like the the exclamation point, right? Yeah. Um, basically, in their guidelines to get indexed, you they like that they they like you to have like a hash exclamation mark. Then they go and look at that page, but somehow they they will then send you uh, something in the query string that will then tell you to serve raw text and, okay. and that's how they know how to index your ajax pages okay and so you're doing that for what for tweetboard well i'm i'm not doing that yet I, i'm using the hash exclamation mark to i'm basically trapping every single click 
uh, via JavaScript, and I've okay. got like a central dispatcher that does that basically. When you go to when you go to Tweetboard me, so let's say you go Tweetboard.me, Justin Vincent. What it okay. what it will do is it will do a redirect to Tweetboard me hash exclamation mark forward slash Justin Vincent. The okay. hash is then processed by the JavaScript, the central page um, dispatcher, which then passes it to the correct code to to render the Tweetboard. So it then passes Justin Vincent via Ajax to the back end, and now now you're going to find out where this problem happened with Clout. So that then the first thing it does is it goes and looks up that user on clout and i was making the assumption that clout was always going to return an object and clout was going to return the best case version of the screen name the twitter screen name so if the you know if i had capital j and v in my twitter screen name clout was going to return that back and then i was going to present that on the tweet board and i keyed everything off that what was happening was they just weren't returning anything back so what i should have been doing is just passing from the query string back to the server, back to the browser, and then the browser goes off to Twitter and gets the user stats because that's another thing that I'm I'm regularly doing. It's it, the way that it updates your live stats is it talks directly from the client, the browser client, to the Twitter API and sends your screen name. So okay. because because Cloud returning back a null object, I hope this isn't too technical for some people. The null object was coming back to the browser, and then it was trying to connect to Twitter, and it was a null screen name. Right. See what I mean? Okay. So I should okay. I should have just like okay, look, I'm just going to pass through the screen name that's in the query string rather than rely on clout, clout to rely on to return something good. And how long did it take you to f- figure that out and fix it? Um. <laughs> well, the first thing was I worked out the Lady Gaga thing, and then I was I was so frustrated. I mean that, that that's a level of frustration I haven't experienced for a while. And I was like looking at the code, and I was literally I was screaming. I was like, Oh God, what the What's wrong with this? What the fuck? And I could hear people downstairs going, "What the hell's going up? Going on up there?" <laughs> well, you know, it's it's like trying to change clothes when you're in a full sprint. Yeah. It's really difficult. Yeah, you got something up on the front page of Hacker News. It's going all over Twitter. People are talking about it. People are excited about it, but it's broken. And then you're just like, a lot of times it's hard to think straight. Yeah. I don't know about you, but no, that's that's what it is. When 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 everything goes craps out and there's a lot of pressure, it's like. Your, your mind just starts darting around thinking of possibilities, but what you really have to do is relax, take a breath, start thinking very methodically through the code. Um, it's just hard to do. Well, so that, that, that's kind of what I tried to do, and I tried to use that technique that I explained to you in the last, last show, <laughs> tapping onto my eyes. <laughs> yeah, that, that, I'm sure that worked great. <laughs> well, I don't know whether it worked or not, but anyway, I just said, okay, just relax, relax, relax. sit back. Look through the code. Breathe, Justin. Step through the code. Where could this be going wrong? <laughs> and, right. You know, we, you know we, I mean, even though Tweetboard is a pretty simple thing, it, it is a 1,500-line file of JavaScript, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a significant right. amount to step through. So anyway, I, f- I worked that out, and I pushed that up, and I guess it was about 15 minutes um, to, to kind of step through it and work out what was going on. Well, that's not bad. No, not too bad, but it feels like four hours when you're stressed as hell, you know? Yeah, well, one of my favorite Murphy's Laws is that the length of five minutes depends on which side of the bathroom door you're on. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that was a very long 15 minutes for you. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I think you need to explain what uh, Tweetboard is, because I'm not sure all our listeners are, are sh- understand what it is, because last week... Oh, you we were didn't kind- really say, right, okay, yeah. No, you were kind of cagey about it, for one, and... Um, Two, there might be some people who did less of that episode or just came in. So, yeah, what is Tweetboard? Okay, so and why, and why did you build it? Okay, well, I'll start off with why I built it. I wanted to build something 
well, okay. I don't, I don't know which is the best to start off with, why I built it or what it is or how it came about. Well, we'll get through both of them, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I don't know. Three months ago, maybe four months ago, when when Gecko Board came out and was really big, and I've also been following, you know, business dashboards. I like that idea, and I saw Gecko Board, and I thought that is that is so cool. That's such a cool concept, and it's like just what real, is a business dashboard? Basically, it's this beautiful, uh, simple black dashboard with big numbers, and those numbers kind of indicate your um, the key data points. What's KPI stand for? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's it's called a KPI dashboard. Um, I don't know, but it's basically it basically shows all the the current up to date stats on your business, I guess, right? Yeah. So I've forgotten what KPI stands for. Key something indicator. Okay. Key performance indicator. Yeah, that's it. Okay. Right. So I just thought it would be kind of cool and cute because if you look at Gecko Board and I don't know if you're waiting in the lobby of some really you know big business like they have these dashboards that flash their how many billions they've made and all that kind of stuff. And I thought that it would be cute for Twitter users just the average guy to have a really professional looking dashboard just just for fun and I thought that because it looks so professional it may be kind of viral, you know, it might be a yep. viral concept. You just type in your Twitter name and you can see all of your Twitter stuff and it it looks like the corporate headquarters of you. <laughs> kind of concept right. so you know that's what i built and i had this kind of viral hope for it and i had the idea and actually I, when i first had the idea i pitched it to rob walling and i because firstly because it was quite a simple thing to build and secondly because i just really wanted to have a go at working with him um on on a project um so i thought that you know this could be a real simple project maybe we could try that outsourcing thing remember we were talking about outsourcing at that time Sure. I was like, okay, look, I think this could go viral. I'm not sure how we could make money on it, but it could be a fun and interesting thing to do. And it would be pretty quick to build and we could go halves and it would be good experience for us, for me to work with you and for me to experience this outsourcing thing. But right. he didn't, he didn't have time um, at that stage and he was, he was pretty involved. So I just kind of dropped it. Then recently I was with um, Dan DeFilippe on his bid, bid for a day, a bit on my day. Uh, and I was hanging out with him and, and he was basically, we were, we were drinking a couple of beers and he was saying, oh man, I wish I had something to do. I wish I had something to do. And so we're going through different ideas. And so he was looking for a business to build, you know, like, you know, you've got Epic Night, I've got Plugio. He, he wants some kind of business like that. I was like, you know, I had this idea a while ago and I think there's some legs to it. It could be interesting, this kind of dashboard concept. And so I told him about it and he was like, dude, that's like the perfect marketing tool for Plugio. Right. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, so it is. So I just went home and started coding it up. Um, and the idea is just to make it real simple. So you just type in your uh, Twitter username and it shows you your key stats looking beautiful. And that's it. And you just tweet it out, you know, check out my tweet board. And then other people will check it out. And then they'll tweet out, check out my tweet board. And then on the tweet board to have a big ad saying, check out Plugio, you know, the most powerful Twitter tool. Yeah, well, you sh you showed me the uh, I guess the search result for Tweetboard, and it's getting a lot of juice on uh, Twitter. It's not doing too it's bad. Used. It's not doing too bad. Um, so it's it's only been live two days. I mean, this is the big spike. The 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 true virality is is that a word virality? But that, I, I'm going to yeah. use that word. The true sure. virality is yet to be seen, but it seems to be it seems to be doing it. Um, 
So uh, for the two days that it's been live, yesterday it had 3,600 visits. That was on the day that it was launched on Saturday. Okay. So of those visits, 1,100 came from Hacker News. Okay. Another 2,000 were basically direct visits. So I guess people checked back later or something like that. I'm not sure. Or what about Twitter? I mean, if somebody says, hey, check out my tweet board. Well, that's, that's, that's usually that's how they probably found it, right? Well, that's listed as, as referred by Twitter. Oh, and what, what, so you said a thousand roughly came from uh, Hacker News. A thousand came from Hacker News, three hundred came from Twitter, and two thousand were direct. That doesn't make any sense. Only two hundred, or what, did you say two hundred came from Twitter? Three hundred came from Twitter. Three hundred? Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. You're right. It doesn't make any sense. So I don't know. Because yeah, the- I'm, I'm, I'm looking at tweet board and I'm seeing all these people who have thousands of followers saying, hey, check out my tweet board you know, over and over and over again. And you would think that that would generate a fair amount of traffic. Well, I don't understand the direct stuff where that's coming. I from. I don't understand where the direct stuff's coming from. So that's the anomaly, anomaly that I don't, we don't understand. Maybe what's happening is they're, they're coming from Hacker News and then they're clicking around and then that's counted as extra visits. I don't know. Hmm. But I don't think so because it is, because the unique visits yesterday, absolute unique visits, 3,500. Well, and how, what, and uh, what percentage of those signed up for Plugio? Do you, do you, can I just talk about today's so far, the stats so far sure. today? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so that was the full day of yesterday, 3,500-ish. And today we're sort of, uh, what this would you say, halfway through the day at this stage? Right. We're kind of halfway through the day. And the interesting thing is that Y Combinator has referred only 100. And it's, got, it's had a total of 2,000 visits so far today. There you go. That's good news. So that is good news, isn't it? Because basically yesterday, Y Combinator was like... A, you mean Hacker News? Sorry, H- Hacker News. Yeah, Hacker News. So Hacker News had, had pushed through uh, over 1,000, and today it's only pushed through, pushed through 100, but we, there's still 2,000 visits there. Right. So it's, it's kind of... Um, it's got a little lift. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's interesting. Um, yeah. Well, that's good. Well, so y- you decided to um, submit... Is submitted to Hacker News on Saturday morning, right? 10 a.m.? Yeah. Based on your past experience. And also, what was the book that was advising to do, to do that? Um, that was the Dan Zarella's book. Right. Yeah. Okay. Now, do you still think that was the right, right time? It's funny because I sort, of think, I, sort of, I sort of think you need to pick and choose your projects, right? Because this actually was going was gonna to take a lift, ultimately. That's what I realized. It was impressive, impressive enough that it was going to go. Like, you never truly know, but I kind of had the hunch. And I feel that if it had been pushed through on a weekday, I probably would have got more of, more of a lift and more views, you know. Probably, ah, exactly. That's yeah. what I was saying. Yeah. You know, that's my whole point was that yeah. if you got mediocre content, you know, or not mediocre content, but it's, it's kind of on the bubble, right? Yeah. It could go, couldn't go. Then do it on a Saturday or Sunday. Um, but if you got something that's really going to light it up, you, I think has a good, you really think has a good shot, um, then do that on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Well, so here's the thing. I mean, remember that I got a lot of votes from people who um, I I'd tweeted to and from you and for, from whoever, you know, from my voting ring, which I totally shouldn't be doing. But anyway, I got, I got a lift from, from people who helped me out. Look, there's n- a- anybody who uses uh, Hacker News is going to have a handful of friends that they're going to get a little help for. Okay. Say, hey, do you mind voting this up? But everybody does. Even the people who act like they don't. <laughs> they okay. do so the whole the whole day, I mean, it got a total of like 100 points on Hacker News, which is not that much. 
you know, compared to yeah, uh, to compare to like, other stories that were, you know, a lot more like 500 points. So maybe it wasn't that amazing. I mean, if it if it's only going to get 100 points, then maybe it was the right day to do it on. Well, the good news is is that you get to write up a postmortem on it, and that'll make another big, yeah. big hit on Hacker News, right? That right. you get some more juice out of it, and more people will probably come and read that story um, the second time around. Okay, and hear hear your hear your description of what happened and what went wrong, and you you can talk about um, your numbers, and and that will drive some more, uh, I don't know, awareness of of Plugio as well. So when I when I showed it to you yesterday and i'd released it i had quite a few mentions of plugio and quite a few mentions of 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 like checkout plugio on it but you saw it and you didn't see them yeah. <laughs> you were like <laughs> i don't see it anywhere you just it was it just wasn't obvious so right. what i did was uh, uh, the way that it's built it's got all these panels of stats and the top left panel was time so uh, at about three o'clock i switched out that panel Instead of showing the time, I just put a huge big link just saying, check out Plugio, you know, awesome Twitter tool. And then, right. and then on that link, I popped up a video. And then under the video, I basically put sign up for a free Plugio account and I pointed directly to the free Plugio page. So I looked at the stats and up until that point, there was people coming over from Tweetboard, but there was no right. conversions of any kind. I think there was one sign up for a free account. Right. And then from three o'clock onwards, it got um, it. It went from like two free signups to it added another fifteen free signups for that day. So okay. that that really worked. And so that so yesterday. So typically speaking, I've been having um, two sign two free signups a day, four free signups, maybe five signups. I'm lucky. You know, if I'm lucky, I'm going back over the last month here. Right. But yesterday got seventeen free signups, and that was with the full hacker news push. And today, 23 free signups. Right. So it's, it's like, you know, that's a massive lift on the free signups, right? So obviously something's working there. Yeah. Yeah, well, that was the whole point of it anyway. So right. I, 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 I think you were just being a little too um, conservative about it. I mean, I can understand why you don't want to be too in people's faces about it. Let you go plug you. You know, people are gonna be like, it's just, it's just, it's just be annoying. But if you're uh, too subtle about it, it no one's, it's just not gonna work. Well, I, I so. kind of wanted it to to keep looking beautiful. So, so what I did was, I've got that ad up there on the left panel, and then after two minutes, it it switches off and turns into a clock. Okay. So the, it's because so the, the whole point of this thing is to leave it running full screen on your spare computer, so that it looks like you've got your own corporate HQ dashboard running. So it does look like that, but it just takes two minutes for it to switch over and be nice again. What about putting it up on the top? You know, you have their name and their uh, handle on the right side over there. Put Discover Plugio. Yeah, that, that's not a bad but, idea. And, and so Discover Plugio in, in a larger font and in a smaller font underneath it, say, the ultimate Twitter power tool. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. I would do it there. Um, I, think that would, I think it would look nice. I don't think it'd be too in your face. It's just a little branding on the top right corner. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, well, that's cool. I'm, I mean, I'm impressed that you got it out. And you, this was a bit, you had a very uh, severe case of the madness on this project too, I think. <laughs> Didn't you? Well, it was, I mean, it was more about the point of, of kind of saying on the show, I wanted to kind of prove that in some way we could deliver, right? <laughs> so, or at least you can, right? So we kind of said it, you know, we said it and, and I said it was going to be released on Saturday and I, I really wanted to, prove the point that we could say it and do it and hit the deadline and make it happen 
So right. that was kind of the big, the big push. Um, but yeah, definitely a case of the madness. My, my wife's been um, involved as well. Uh, right. She's been suffering from the madness, from my madness. Why? How is she suffering from you? <laughs> well, because you know the way when we when we husbands get when we have the madness. But it's it's interesting because then she she kind of ha- caught a little bit of the kind of contagious fever about tweetboard, and she's like, "Oh, but it's good, and we could do this, and we could do that, and we could do this." And I'm I'm kind of saying, "Well, no, I don't want to spend the rest of my life focusing on this. This is just one other marketing thing for Plugio. You know, Plugio is the main app, and this is just a new little marketing sideline for it." Well, you never know. Never know. I mean, sometimes things that start as side projects or as features for one primary project evolve to become the main project, depending depending on how people respond to it. I mean, you know, probably more time, more times than not, that's not the case. But every once in a while, it is. I mean, I, what I was saying to her is, look, it, it, if it's giving a lift of twenty free signups a day right now, right, and that continues for a year, that's been worth two weeks' effort, you know. Wow. Well, I'll be interested to see if that happens. Um, I'm, I'm wondering what will happen. See, the question is, you know, people may start using Tweetboard. The question is, will people keep spreading it around after they show it to them once? If, you know, it's like, hey, look at my Tweetboard. Are they ever going to tweet that again? Right. We will, that, like, is, that is the question. I mean, is, is it going to be this kind of thing where it's like a snowball and it's just this tiny little snowball that starts rolling and more and more people say, Hey, check out my tweet board. And then it kind of spreads out, which is what I was really hoping. I was really hoping that it would just kind of spread out in that kind of a fashion where, cause I don't really care whether people come back to it. It's, it's mainly just spreading out to a lot of people. And then those people getting some, some awareness of Plugio and looking at that Plugio video. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, you never know. I mean, if you just, you, you might say, there might be some ideas with Tweetboard that will uh, get people to pull other people in, if you, you know? Yeah. Um, but anyway, it's cool. It's a, I think it, you, you've executed very well on it. Um, it's really, it's really attractive. It works. It's cool looking. It's a clever idea. You delivered, you shipped. Most important thing. Awesome. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you think so. And now I want to get back to consult consultancy work because I haven't been earning for the last week. <laughs> I don't want to get back yeah. to any food. <laughs> right. Well, I want to ask you one more question. You said this is a single page web app. Did you, was this just all your own code or I mean your own framework or did you use one of these um, backbone knockout spine? Oh no, web- no. I just use, I just use my own framework. I don't have time to learn that stuff. Yeah. You know, it's kind of interesting. I, um, I've been, I, I printed out and read some of the documentation for a couple of these frameworks and, you know, I mean, I'm sure there's some, some, some helpful utilities in them, but for the most part, it's just a design pattern, right? It's just the MVC design pattern. And it's not, it doesn't require a framework. Um, I don't really understand the necessity for it. I mean, maybe if you're new to creating a single page web app, but if you're, but it's, it's sort of the same thing as if you have a, um, just a, a, a regular sort of application, like a Windows app, right? It, it, it's just sort of, um, it's just a design pattern, right? You have your you have your views, you got your data, you have some, you know, intermediary mechanism or controller or whatever. And uh, I don't know. I, I don't, thought I don't, we'd like, agreed that we weren't going to talk about this. That we were done with I, talking about this kind of stuff. A code? Yeah, frameworks. <laughs> no, 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 no. I well, I don't know. I, we can't not talk about frameworks in any context, but I don't know. So, you know, I've been working on uh, App Ignite lately, and it's and I. I've 
mentioned how I've uh, been transitioning it to a single page yeah. app, um, which is really cool because it's so much faster and it's so much more fun and easy to use. Um, but I have my own sort of, I guess, the equivalent of uh, a backbone or knockout. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just based on my own experience, but it's, it's, just, it's just not a whole lot of code. I guess it's more than anything. It's just how I implement the pattern. And uh, it's one thing that's interesting is that you have a lot, of less, a lot less code to accomplish the same things when it's a single page app than if it's like multiple pages. Mm. You know, you have all these 10, because here, here's the thing. It's like you have your backend code, so whether that's PHP or, or Ruby or Python or whatever, you have your, um, your HTML, your template, and then you have your JavaScript code. And if you're doing any sort of, um, I don't know, client-side, uh, uh, I don't know, JavaScript stuff, all times you need to pull in data from the server side, so you're trying to get that over. And it's just like you have all these different pieces, and you're trying to move data back and forth, and it's kind of kludgy, and it's, not, it's just not that clean. But when it's all just sitting there and, and just sort of one object on the, on the server called, you know, you know, this is my model uh, or my... XYZ view or something, you know, it's not a whole lot of lines of code. It's really simple. Well, what's really nice is that um, passing everything th- through the hash, using the hash as like your central dispatcher concept. Right. It's just awesome because it, it hooks directly into the browser's back button. You know, you don't have to think about that. That's just, that's dealt with. Right. You know what? I'd be curious how you do it because I, I was going to, I haven't done that part of it for um, Epic Night. Um, so I, if you could shoot me some code. A little sample code just to do that. I, don't, like I just, mean, I, I don't even think I need to shoot you code. I mean, it's just it's just the concept. It's just basically every every link and every action on the page is hash something. Well, how do you how do you make an action like an on button click that isn't a, it's not an href? Uh, I mean, it's not like you're clicking a link. You just, how do you, you just do location href and or, or no, you just do um, uh, location hash and then just change it. So, so basically, you, you just set the hash, yeah. I th- okay. Yeah, I think it's location.hash. I'm pretty sure it is. Location.href, isn't it? Okay, hang on. Just check it. Yeah, location.hash. You just set the hash. That's it. And so, so if you do that 10 times in a row, that creates 10 entries into your browser history. Yeah, and, you, and what you just have to do is you just have to um, watch the hash change event. So... Uh, Obviously, jQuery looks after that really nicely. But if you want, you know, if you want to do it with your own framework, you can do that. Every browser has has a slightly different implementation of the hash change. But you watch the hash change event, and then you just use that as a central dispatcher and pass that to the rest of your code. So you just work out, just like you've got on the back end, you have paths, you know, so I don't know, slash user slash register or something like that. That's the way you do it on the back end. You do that with your hash. So you do hash slash user slash register. And then your central dispatcher passes it to the correct code in your single page. I see. That's it. Right. That makes sense. Yeah, because I, 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 for App Ignite, I really wasn't so concerned about the indexing of the site, but I, I did want to make sure that the back button worked. Yeah, exactly. Because that's it. Because a lot of times you're doing something and you hit the back button and then it just takes you back to like the login page. You're like, oh crap, what happened? You know, and it's sort of frustrating. Right. So then the thing you need to think about is how do you put arguments along with each of these things and i think probably the best way is just to because you because i don't really want to use like question marks or whatever so what i do is i just have at each level i kind of know what type of thing it's going to be it's difficult to explain i'll I'll talk to you you offline 
Well, here, so what I'm, I'm going to do, I think, because I'm not going to send data through a dispatcher in that way. I'm going to log, I'll log the stuff in the, um, in the history using, you know, using the HREFs or whatever. Mm -hmm. But so whenever an event is fired, so if there's some action that's, that's taken, some data is loaded, some new view is displayed. And, and let's say that that's a sort of a switch in, a, in um, that would be like equivalent of a, pay, a new page view. Mm -hmm. So then I would update the, the location dot hash or whatever. And meanwhile, the event would go on and do whatever it does to show something else. You see what I mean? Right, but you're still so, logging the hash is really just a convenience for the history. It's not really well. You still you know, need a, to map that that history back to what the to your JavaScript code to make it, the page do what you want it to do. Because it right. the browser's not going to remember what panel you had open or what dynamic text you were displaying. So basically, the hash essentially has to control the logic of the page. That's the that's the main well, point of it. It's it's well, so, it's like your state machine. It's your state. This is what state the page was in. That that hash can be so you can have a um think of it as just sort of um you know you just have like a, an array, you know, a, a history, right? Yeah. And so you can I can log each so whenever I'm fi fire sort of what I call like a custom event. So I have like a, an event object that you can have subscribers uh, or listeners to and then you just hit fire the event and pass it a data object. Right. You know, data could be any, you know, any JavaScript object. And then it just gets notified in, in any callbacks have been passed by a, a subscribing or a listener, um, you know, gets passed. up. So, so every time you do that, you just save that data in the, um, in the, in the array. Okay. The so, you, so you'll have an array and then your hash will just be like a, a mapper to that array. And then that will you be know, what happens. Or parallel or a key or whatever. I mean, I could probably do it five different ways, but sure. something like that. Okay, cool. We do it that way. I mean, I haven't done it, so I'm just sort of thinking out loud. But anyway, so well, anyway, that's enough about that. Tech's um, in getting tech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't get too deep into it. All right. So, um, you know, I've um, I've gotten, you know, I don't really use Twitter as I've mentioned before. I have an account, but I don't really ever tweet. But I'm really getting into Google Plus. Awesome. Really get into it. I've um, it seems to work for me because, um. Obviously, I'm a little more long-winded, <laughs> so it's hard for me to feel like I'm saying anything of any value or, uh, value um, on Twitter, right? Yeah. I mean, what can you say? Hey, this is really cool. Download a new library. Hey, just had lunch. You know, it's just to me, it just seems kind of just stupid. I, I don't really, in terms of like, share, if you're sharing links or something, it's fine. But in terms of being able to like um, carry on meaningful conversation, I just don't, I, I can't do it. Yeah. So, but in Facebook to me is like much more your friends and family. So people you went to high school with or your, your cousins or your whatever, right? So it's not like you're going to talk about the kind of things that we're interested in on Facebook. You know, all your friends and family and everybody looking at you like, what is he talking about, right? Yeah. But Google Plus is kind of in the middle, right? It's kind of like you're talking to people who share the same interests in you. And it, a lot of it might be professional related. So for us, it'd be startups and technology and things. Um, but it's longer form, like, like a Facebook or, or Tumblr or something. Yeah. So I'm liking it. I mean, I've actually been right. I've written a lot I, and I've, 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 I've been writing something almost every day or two. And, and, not, and this isn't just like a one or two sentence thing. It's almost like mini blogging for me, like where I'm writing like one or two paragraph things. And a couple of them, you know, I got, I got, you know, were actually turned into pretty lengthy entries. And this last one, it was, it was that in of itself turned into a, um, 
uh, what's going to be a, an article that I'm going to submit to Hacker News tomorrow. Okay. Um, yeah, it was about uh, the the title of it is um, why I stopped algorithmic trading to do web startups, <laughs> and essentially it was a an answer to um, a question about why I stopped algorithmic trading um, because I had I, I think a few people had email I get emails every once in a while on the topic and uh, you know asking for my advice and on, on one thing or another and I just posted my response a couple of my responses because I, I you know I. I had put some thought into it, and I thought the information was might be of interest to some people, and so I got some questions about you know well you know about those, and one of them being like, well, why did you give up? Why did you stop doing algorithmic trading? It sounds like you know a fair amount about it. So my response turned into be, I'm like, hey, this is actually a <laughs> this is actually a good blog post. So, so. that's good. So it it could be like your um, cauldron for kind of ruminating and and crafting the beginnings of your blog posts. Exactly. Well, because I'm such a perfectionist and I find the the prospect of sitting down for X number of hours to write something as an article to be sort of daunting. Like it just, and so I just don't do it, you know, unless you and I are, are, are really trying. Are, we, we did it for a short period of time where we were almost at it. We made it sort of a contest. Mm-hmm. But once you get back in your daily routine, it's just like, I just don't have time to do it. But what happens is though when for uh, something like Google Plus, it's like I don't have to worry about I don't have to spend a lot of time thinking about writing something. You know, I can write something that's like three or four sentences, um, and I just kind of write it like I'm writing a an email or something. And uh, and the good thing is you can always go back and edit it right. <laughs> like on startup. Oh really? So, so you can you can edit that. That is one of the painful things about Startup Guild. Which I do a lot because um, I, I I I notice I'll miss I'll like skip a word like a the yeah. or and. I'll or get my uh, punctuation screwed up or I'll, you know, just something stupid that I, I, usually they're just very small changes that I'll go back and I'll fix it. But that, but the fact that you can do that makes it so you, can, you don't, you don't have to spend so much time thinking and rereading it before you post it. You just write it and like, oh, it looks good. And then if you go back, you're like, oh, you know, crap, I'll fix that. That's cool. So anyway, I'm thinking that's going to work for me because uh, I, I, looking back on it, I'm like, you know what, actually three or four of these um, posts on Google Plus are really the beginnings are uh, are really the guts of a of a, an article. So what are you going to try and promote when you do that? Actually on um on my uh, I, I updated my um my website or my blog uh, codisoperandi.com to um at the top and the bottom it mentions both Appignite and Info. Okay. So I'm like, yay, you know, so what does it say at the top? It says sign up for the Appignite beta a tool that makes it possible to create data-driven web applications in minutes rather than months months. Or my other project, Inifu, a site that makes it easy to hire technology experts for short-term screen share sessions. You know, awesome. So, same kind of thing. Um, you know, it's like, and then if you, if if you can kind of work it in, like in the article, if you can work in Inifu or Epignite in there, then that's that's great. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'll try and do that. I mean, I, I have a post up. Uh, it's not it's not published yet, but. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to look. Is there where can I work it in? Because it, it, it makes it much better if you can just like mention it somewhere in in line in the article, where it doesn't look like you yeah. jammed it in there. Yeah. But uh, you know, I mean, I, I'm not just going to write just to write. It's it's nice to actually get. Well, here's the thing. I think writing these sort of anchor articles like like this one are good because when people read it, they it helps explain something about me and my history. So. 
you know, if people want to want to know something, I say, you know, go, here's an article on that. You know, like we're about talking about the Lux Surface area or the Google acquisition stuff, right? People read that and they understand a lot more about me, which is part of why you have a a, a site on the on the you know, a, a site in the first place, right? Mm. So you want something. It's not like, gee, you know, I tried the iPad. I think it's really neat. You know, it's like it's not really telling anyone much. Yeah, well, I mean, different people have blogs for different reasons, but I mean, I understand <clears throat> why you have yours and. It's good reasoning. Right. Well, that's my, my point. You know, and so I, I guess um, the, uh, but then of course I wanted, I want, I want to, I want to solve two problems there. I want, I want to be able to put my stories on the, on the site, but I also want to drive traffic to whatever projects that I'm working on. Yeah. You know, and uh, yeah, so that's the latest. And I think I have a couple more ideas. So I, I, I do, I think, I think uh, Google plus is going to be great for that. Oh, so anyway, follow me on Google Plus. You're, <laughs> you're on Google Plus. Follow me. I got, now, how, right. do, how do people follow you if they don't know? I mean, what do you, what do you, how do you do it on Google Plus? You just type in Jason Roberts. I mean, how does it work? It's a search. Yeah, if you, you probably just go to Google Plus and type in my name, um, or uh, you know, if you go to codisoperandi.com, which is my blog, it, I have a link there. So I don't know. Well, I mean, there's a lot of people already. Um, there are already a number of listeners. Well, now who, that they've got the the Google Plus API out, and also, of course, we've got the Facebook API. I'm, I, my next major project with Plugio is going to be to integrate Google Plus and Facebook directly into Plugio because I just, that's pretty much where I look at everything is through that. So right. just to kind of eat my own dog food, I think that I'll start looking at Google Plus through that as well. Right, yeah. right. And the other thing I will say too about one reason like Google Plus is that, I mean, I'm actually, you actually have good conversations yeah. on the people. I've had, I have really interesting back and forth with a guy who's, um, I guess he does a lot of algorithmic trading. Uh, he's a hedge fund guy. Um, I think a physicist actually. Mm-hmm. Mm. And we were going back and forth cause he was responding to some things I was saying. And, uh, it was interesting, you know, it's like, okay, you couldn't do that on Twitter. There's not enough 140 characters. You just can't, there's no depth to it. You know, it does. It's funny. Cause I mean, I'm following good people there, you know, and it does seem like a much higher signal ratio on that Google plus thing. Much higher signal yeah. ratio. I, 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 I wish to see how, how it plans out. I mean, I've never really used Facebook, you know, Sandy uses Facebook. So she, so like all our friends and family and everything kind of goes through there. And I just, she, her, her, our laptop that she uses is right there on the sort of the breakfast bar in the center of our home. So I'm always walking past it. So, and she's the one who posts all the pictures and does updates and will tell me what's going on. So that's like, <laughs> you know, union station for our social connections to people at least yeah. web social connections but i don't engage it myself i don't really have a, a an active account and then twitter of course i set up an account but i never really did anything with it so now it's like okay google plus is going to be i'm going to give it a fair shot all right so do you have any um <clears throat> links for us i don't know well you know i have a couple different things less about links but um i'll get into the one thing um there was an article that came up. I don't know, maybe we could go call. Uh, it was based. Some, it was titled something like "Orm is not is an anti-pattern." Mm. You know, object relational mappers is an anti-pattern, and, and the guy makes some good points. Basically, basically being that uh, it's sort of echoing. I think. I think it was Joel Spolsky's initial article saying uh, "leaky abstract" about how all abstractions are leaky, mm-hmm. right? And my 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 thought on it is this: is that the the reason ORMs are good is it's the same reason that sort of lean methodologies or agile methodologies are good. It's that it allows you to get up and going fast. Yes, um, will the abstractions break at some point? Because the guy says 
He says, in my 20 years of software development, I've never seen an ORM that didn't end up like running into a brick wall where you had to like write things by hand and that became inefficient. Well, that's fine, right? Because anytime that you write software, when it starts out, you don't worry about scaling, right? You don't worry about that kind of stuff because there's a good chance that no one's going to care about it anyway. It's not, that it's not, is that, that, that it may be solving completely the wrong problem. Right. So who cares if the if the queries aren't super efficient, if you're pulling in data you don't need, if you're doing some joins they aren't maybe unnecessary. Um, you know, it, it's 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 fine because it, it, I think ORMs are great because it allows you to get to first, second, or third base without having to spend a ton of time dorking around with SQL queries, which you always do, right? I mean SQL queries take time sometimes. I mean they just they just suck up time. It's like anytime you have anything that you have to hand code and think about, and you're like, okay, wait a minute, I forgot, I misspelled this table, and then oh, I I joined these things in the wrong order. And it's just it just, and sometimes it can, can take hours. You just tracking down a, a SQL query bug, right? Yeah, it's funny. I mean, I I I don't use ORMs. Um, well, not for my own stuff, just because I find it. I I roll out stuff faster just by working with the the raw SQL, just because I'm so used to it. But plus also. I think that for a long time I've been thinking of thinking in the kind of key value pair pattern concept. So I do very few joins, you know, in my stuff and um, just really try and optimize it to pluck some key value pairs out of the table and just do real simple SQL. That's, that's you way. seem to do a lot of your joins in the PHP, I noticed. Yeah. What, what, what does that mean? Well, I mean, you, you, rather than letting, rather than letting the, um, the query engine, rather than letting the database join the data, you make multiple queries to the database and stick it in like hashes, and then you do your sort of joins, right? Now, what, I, I'm not sure I I'm not sure I fully understand you. I mean, basically, I do 100% of my joins in SQL in PHP. So, what 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 do you mean? Do you mean? I mean, you're pulling in the data. Yeah. You're pulling in you're pulling in data from two or three different tables, and then you're matching it up using PHP. Like you pulled in. No, 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 no. Well, you did that plugin where we were talking about a problem like that, and you were explaining how you had all this stuff in PHP, and I was sort of shocked. Yeah, that there you was there, there's 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 some instances where I do that because it's just it's just faster. Um, but yeah. but uh, no, most of the time, if I'm doing joins, I mean, I will actually do the join in the in the SQL. Yeah, but there's there's certain instances. Um, where I found it quicker to, and I'll just do it based on, you know, testing. Um, but right. there, there's, there was a, a search engine that I'd written um, using Oracle. And I found that it was just much faster to, first of all, search for the data and get back row IDs and then go and query on those row IDs and pull back titles and stuff. And I can't even remember why it was faster, but it just ended up being faster at that time. Yeah. Well, so the, the, the ORM that I built for um, Appignite um, is, I mean, I can't believe how much time it saves now. I mean, just be able to just, because now actually, like for any food, there's a couple of things that I just did manual. I just made manual changes mm -hmm. because I had sort of exported it from Appignite. And because Appignite was 100% up and working, I had to kind of do some things by hand. And it was just instantaneous. There was no messing around. Whereas before, there were some web projects that I'd done, you know, not not too long ago where, you know, if I'm hand coding the active record objects, I'm writing in the properties in the object and then the gets and the sets and then inserts and the updates and different versions of find. And I'm just like, you know, it takes hours, it takes hours, I can imagine that. Route, which is, which is just a total, I mean, it's brain numbing 
boredom and of course you make mistakes and it's like uh, it's just a it's just a waste of time um so using an arm whatever language or whatever arm you want to use allows you to get up and solve your problems quick and then later you're like hey man we got hundreds of thousands of users or millions of users and this table's burning out like fine then go write a custom query or stick it in mongo or do a different thing you know but I just thought I thought the guy was kind of missing the point. I just think orms are great, you know, in the earlier versions of a site. But as you start to scale and you need to hand code things, you just override them. You just replace the the orm code with uh, you know hand coded stuff. So we've kind of slowed down on app, on any foo this week. Um, I, obviously, the reason why I slowed down was because I was pretty obsessed with the madness with Tweetboard to get that out. Um, what about yourself? Um, so. T- t- Three things happened, I just realized. So, yeah, t- t- this week was kind of a bad week for any foo, unfortunately, but I'm going to, you know, be really trying to make up for it uh, actually after we get off the phone right. <laughs> or get off the podcast and uh, um, and also this this week. But there's three reasons. One, I had a bunch of consulting work I had to get done. I got kind of behind on a couple projects, and uh, which is no good because I got to, gotta, you know, got to build those hours, got to get some stuff done, got to keep the clients happy and, and uh, make progress. The, um, the second thing is that Sandy was out of town from Tuesday through this afternoon. So like what, five days or something? Oh. She was six days. She's, um, she's, she was elected with a president of the Pasadena junior league. And so she has, which she's very involved in and they, but every three months she goes to some, you know, national junior league training conference where they do all kind of leadership communication training stuff, you know, or, or fundraising stuff on how to raise and fundraising. Right. Cause every league, every city in the country has like a junior. So you were so. mommy dad. So, yeah. So it was all on my shoulders. Right. So she was gone Tuesday morning and it was like all me. So three kids, you know, and, um, that took up a lot of uh, my bandwidth, my time and my energy. I mean, by the end of the day, cause you know, if you have to put three kids down at the same time, like get them all at the end of the day, get food in them, get them in their pajamas, get them to brush their teeth, you know, finally get them to quit, you know, one's making one cry and the other one's not listening. And then you finally get them to shut up and lie down in their bed, listen to the story, go to sleep. I mean, you are done. I mean, I used to, I like lie down in bed. I'm like, holy crap. Like I lie there at like nine o'clock, like they'll go to bed at like eight 30. And I, there's a couple of times where like I didn't even have a chance to take a shower and I like just like I couldn't even eat dinner. I just would like lie down. I couldn't even turn on the TV barely. I'm just like lying there staring at the same like I like fell asleep for like a half hour. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> I'm just that's what Sandy drained. has to put up with every day. Oh, it's brutal. It is brutal. So that would suck on my energy. And so I had very little energy in the at the at the end of the day where normally I could, you know, kind of squeeze in an hour, hour and a half of work. I had nothing. And um then, um, so that was the second thing. And the third thing is I kind of got a little bit of the madness on App Ignite. I mean, App Ignite had gotten into so much into pieces that I really wanted to pull it back into life, pull it back to life. It would just kind of get you scary. It kind of scares you when a project kind of like derails for two, for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I kind of got like, I just got to get this thing up into the next step. And I started working on it and I just couldn't stop thinking about some of the things that, you know, building it as a single page web app and getting all those together. And it was really coming together. I was got me kind of excited. And I kept saying, all right, just, just one more thing. Just, okay. Just, just one more thing. You know, and I kept doing that and uh, that sucked up a little bit of my time as well. But, and as I said, I, um, I brought in, a um, an investor from a previous, um, uh, uh, effort, um, for the Prezo. Yeah. Right. 
And I, I gave him some equity in the company and we're going to start formalizing App Ignite and, and, you know, and create incorporate and, and kind of create like a roadmap for like when we're going to do X, Y, and Z. So just having him come, bringing him on is may, making me feel a little more accountable. Like I need to get this thing up and going. It just can't be this like never ending coding project. Great. So that's cool. But I will, uh, I will still be accountable on any food. I'm going to crank on that tonight and next couple of days. We'll get, get it back up. Well, I mean, is, is it too much? I mean, how, how, how are you going to do the time split between any food and Epic night or is it, are they basically the same thing? In, in some no, ways? no. Well, yeah, there's a little bit of the same thing for sure, but, um, really it's just, um, really, well, now that Sandy's back, right. That gives you a couple more hours a day, right? Yeah, so that and that's a big deal, you know. I mean, because I do everything, you know, it's get them to school, get them up after school, all stuff. I mean, I had a um, no, I actually we did have a babysitter that was helping out, um, but you know, I'm still very involved, and then there was all these other things going on, like back to school nights, and I don't know, it's just like a million different things. And Colby's birthday was on Thursday, so I don't know, it's just just a lot of stuff. So, but um, yeah. So all right, I want to I want to ask you a question. Shoot. What's the story with your diet? You went on this all vegan diet. A couple weeks ago, and <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear about this it. This is interesting. It is. I'd love to well, know I mean, from the listeners whether they honestly find that interesting. I, but anyway, um, I yeah, I mean, it's it's good. I'm I'm pretty much sticking to what I what I can call a plant based diet. Um, so it's why don't you call it vegan? Because it well, is vegan. because I think vegan has a bad rep. Um, and I like. Well, it's just a, it's just a, it's just a different name yeah. for the same. It's it is, but I don't know. I like I, I like plant based. <laughs> I don't want to because because vegan makes me not want to do it, and plant based makes me want to do it. So I can't help right. the way I feel about that. Again, <laughs> <laughs> you don't have any milk or honey or eggs or any of that stuff either. Yeah, I, I I am. I mean, I, what what I'm doing is I'm kind of I would say I'm like an eighty percent plant based diet right now, and then the other twenty percent is I'm having what i want what does that mean like a porterhouse steak no 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 i'm generally being pretty healthy right now i am what does that mean i mean you you know i'll tell you what i am doing right now that's interesting um that i've started doing this and i've been i've been doing it for seven days now is every day in the morning i will have an aloe vera juice i don't even uh I don't even know. Oh, oh like that's this is the stuff you put on your skin. Okay, so so aloe vera basically it's like a it's like a kind of a long like a, a long leafed cactus. Yeah, yeah. Well, you you put that on your skin when you have like uh, like it's like for sunburn and things. This, yeah, it. yeah. So it's it's used in a lot of products like that. Well, you can also dr- you can also drink this this well you can eat the gel of this and drink this thing pure. So basically, you you. We buy these big leaves from the supermarket, and these leaves are like completely just plucked from the cactus. <laughs> Basically, fillet it with a knife. It's it's a pretty kind of in depth, complicated process to do this. So fillet it every morning. Get it to a point where we can get the gel out, and then put the gel in the blender. Mix it up with some um, almond milk, and uh, drink it. So that's what I'm doing each morning. What's the point? It's supposed to be very healing for um, fatty liver and for diabetes. And it's also part of the, the juicing thing. Okay, when you say supposed to, what's the scientific evidence for this? Okay, there. I don't know what the scientific evidence is. I just I kind of like trying things out. Now you've you've got this whole big beef about this is it. This is kind of interesting. Like we we I watched that film when I sent you that film, and you're like, oh, I don't care about it because there's no good research on it. All the research that they're putting through is shown one way, but that could be a load of rubbish. And it's interesting to me that 
99% of the time you'll look at things like that and you, you're not interested. You won't give them any credence. You won't do any research, but when it comes to UFOs, you're like, Oh no, that's interesting. I'm going to, okay, I'm well, going to research you're, you're, there's two separate things. So we, 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 we take a one, one at a time. Okay. So I'm generally a skeptic about most things, you know, when, you know, I, 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 I it, unless there's sort of scientific evidence for it. And I don't mean some, there's some guy somewhere said it. I mean, if it's like, you know, peer reviewed, double blind, randomized, repeated, you know, things. And it's, that's just, if it's not that, yeah, then but, it's but just like, okay, gotta, well, whatever. Like, why does peer review happen? Okay. So here's, here's your first kind of the first fallacy with this argument. Peer, in my opinion, peer review only happens because there's money in it. There's money in the product. So that, so they, they do, okay. they, they're going to do peer, they're going to do very, very deep and detailed study of products that of patentable drugs but something that is completely unpatentable, that's completely natural. I mean, no one's going to do, no one is going to do a peer review study of drinking apple juice. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> there's just no, no it's just that's too expensive. Bo- that's there's no reason. That's completely bogus. That's completely bogus. Yeah. Do, do the com- do corporations out there, are they going to do a lot of research into something that they can't make money off of? No, of course not. But most universities are not funded primarily through corporate grants. Yeah, do some get corporate grants? Most of it comes through like the National Science Foundation and other things. And they're going to do, you know, uh, cancer research centers and all of these um, uh, university hospitals and, and, and medical centers. I mean, they're going to try and find the answers of things that are going to help make people healthier and, 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 make, and to cure diseases. And uh, I, think you're being, you know, if, I think you're being a tiny bit naive. Uh, I think you're being, I, I see, I think you're just like, you, you, you're kind of believing what, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, it has, it's not, I think naive is a, is a, is a silly thing to say. So what you're, what you're doing is you're, is you're, is you are assuming that you're saying everything is corrupt. So you can only, you can't believe any of this stuff. So I'm going to go on the internet and there's people say something is natural and, and a bunch of people say, yeah, yeah, totally made me feel better too. Yeah, yeah, it totally works. And then you just like, oh, I'm going to start doing it. I mean, you know, it probably won't hurt, but there's no evidence for it. And see, the problem is with something like um, that, we say, oh, well, you know, we've interviewed 20 people and they all say they, they were cured because they did X. Well, they don't know. It's kind of like when you say, you know, Plugio's traffic went down in the month of July and we don't really know why it went down. We don't know if it's because it's the summer. We don't know if because there was this email thing that was broken. We don't know if it's because you were less engaged because you were preoccupied with uh, consulting work. I mean, there were like seven different factors that could have happened. And, but you might have decided in your mind it was totally because um, of one of them, right? And then the next time I ask you, they say, well, you know, should I do X? You're like, oh, no, totally because, you know, you don't want to, uh, you know, it, it has to do with July, Right. And it may not have been July. It may have been the email broken. And that's the problem when you like have like a bunch of people say, oh, you know, I had cancer or I had this and that and I drank apple juice every day or I did, you know, a plant based diet and now I'm, I'm healed. You know, it's just not that's just not um, it's not scientifically sound. I mean, sometimes you, ha- you have to go with your gut, you know, sometimes like, OK, let's, let's go back to the other point that you said, OK, that in in universities, they they, they would regularly do a double blind scientific study on whether drinking apple juice was going to was going to make you uh, you know heal you or help you in any way i would argue that the reason why that kind of stuff isn't so prevalent is because those universities are funded by corporations you know a lot of, See, a lot of their core sponsors I, are okay. 
I think you need to. I think that that's that's a very very strong statement. I'd say back it up. I'd like to find you know find some evidence that proves that's that's true. I, the truth is, I, I, don't, can't, I can't actually be bothered. Like this, it doesn't. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's a that's a very conspiratorial um, statement that it, I would think probably has very little basis in fact. Would be my would be my guess. Obviously, I don't have the I don't have the evidence right here in front of me either. I'm I'm going on the I. Yeah, so, pers- so you're assuming that all funding, like the all the all re, all un, all university research is just pure oh, and good, all. and and no, I'm no. and I'm saying probably. There's some self-interest there. <laughs> That's the no. only difference in her. No, 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 no. You, you basically flipped it. You're basically saying you're you're the one who made the statement that it's like that they never do anything unless it's corporate funding, and I'm saying most of university funding is not corporate is not from corporate grants. I think yeah, do corporations do grants from corporations influence research from time to time? Yes, from time to time, but it's not a substantial amount. And I think, when, especially when you're talking about medicine and you're talking about things like uh, important things when you're about like health and things, I, I don't think it's nearly that corrupt. Yeah. Does peer review fail on, on this, in instances? Yes. Is all research that gets um, cited as is, uh, is good turn out to be turned over later on? That does happen on occasion because we're humans and in, in society based on human or fallible and society is fallible. Nothing is perfect, but I think it's more scientific. The scientific method, scientific research, peer review is the best we got. And it's a lot better than so-and-so told me that this worked and I read something. And so, you know. We're watching an interesting um, documentary um, that is basically a PBS documentary that da- Dana Reeves, you know, Dana Reeves, she's the wife of um, of uh, Thingamajig Reeves, Superman, who 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 broke his yeah. neck. Um, so it was called the. It's like a series called the New Medicine. She she does an intro on it. Now, interesting. She she got um, lung cancer and she's she's dead now as well. But she does an intro to this thing called the New Medicine, and, and the first episode that we watched was talking about how hope is a medicine. Now, what, what do you think about that? Do you think hope could be a medicine? Um, I would seem to be unlikely. <laughs> I would think it's probably statistically significant, but I don't know if anyone's done a study on it, but I know there was, I read, a, I read a, uh, something about a study that was done for people who would have, uh, the, you know, if, like, if, if prayer would help people get better, so that they would go to like their local church and say, would everybody please pray for so-and-so there? They have cancer, they have a, you know, their hospital severe heart condition or whatever it was. And it turned out that based on the, ev- based on the research that there was little to no evidence, but it leaned slightly to be, uh, they, people did worse. <laughs> so the, an interesting study that they had in this, and once again, I mean, I, I can't say whether this is a double blind study or whatever. This is just what the documentary presented to me. But what was interesting was that um, they took two groups of people. One group was a group of caregivers who were, who were caregivers for Alzheimer's patients and basically looking after their father or mother with Alzheimer's. And another group of people who were the same age who weren't, who were just living a happy life and who were pretty you know, health, healthy. Now, both, both of these groups of people had no diseases, nothing wrong with them, no kind of issues other than the fact of their state of stress. And so they, they then on their arm made a little kind of wound, like a, just a little puncture wound. And they monitored that puncture wound over uh, a two week period to see how quickly it healed in both of the different groups. And the results presented on the documentary were the people who were happy and stress-free and didn't have the caregiver situation, basically the stress being the, the main issue here. People who didn't have the stress 
healed at twice the rate of the people who did have the stress. You know, I, th- I think there is scientific evidence that people who are happier and have less stress are, uh, do heal better. And I, I think we just talked about that. It's people who, when they see green outside, there was scientific evidence to show that those people would have less day in the hospital on an average three-day stay, that they would leave a day earlier. They, the more green they saw, the happier they were, which seems ridiculous. But, you know, our mind's a kind of a powerful thing. So, I don't know. I mean, that's the problem with uh, with documentaries. I mean, I, you know, it's it's so easy to watch a documentary and be can be persuaded um, because you, it's it's just like if if you went and saw a court case and you only saw one side and you'd be like, oh, that guy's totally guilty. And we talked about that, like in, the, in those old you know those crime shows like uh, City Confidential and Cold Case Files. The first half they build the whole thing up. You know, and you're just like, that guy is so guilty. He needs to be hung. <laughs> and then you find out, it turns out he wasn't even guilty because they share the rest of the evidence and that maybe even the investigators, the DA's office didn't even get, find out until later. And, you know, it's like, there was one, I remember, um, uh, what was it? Uh, there was some movie I saw, a documentary called Sweet Poison. It was about aspartame. Mm-hmm. You know what aspartame is? Yeah, aspartame yeah, yeah. is like artificial sweetener. And I used to drink like, I got in the bad habit of drinking like four or five or more Diet Cokes in a day. And I started getting, I started getting, at one point I started getting some stomach aches and I, and I stopped and I started getting a sense like, I wonder if it's the, uh, all these Diet Cokes and I stopped drinking them and I stopped having the stomach aches. Now, what I was going to do is I was going to ask Sandy, say, help me do a double blind, you know, do a double blind here thing. What we'll do is we'll just like, we'll create a bunch of artificial sweetener and, and we'll do it this other way and don't, you know, neither of us will know. We'll write down the thing, you know, write down the numbers and later we'll just time out, see, at least in terms of me you know, if there was any effect, but I ended up being too, too lazy that I didn't do it. But still, you know, I stopped, I stopped drinking Diet Cokes because of that. Now it might be completely ridiculous. I may have been turned out that it had nothing to do with Diet Cokes. I just had kind of a stomach ache from a virus for a few days, um, or I was just getting it for some other reason. But if you watch that documentary, uh, Sweet Poison, I mean, you would think that, um, you know, aspartame is like, you know, most toxic substance you could possibly put in your body. <laughs> But, you know, so I was um, on Google Plus, I was doing a little uh, back and forth with Sohail. Um, and, you know, I had this idea that, so when you're doing these like these single page layouts for uh, or single page web apps. Yeah. And you're trying to describe, in, you know, how all of these sort of controls behave. And like you could have a, a splitter and tabs and um, different types of controls. And they all need to like reconfigure and resize dynamically. And it's not something that the CSS control because it's much more complicated than that. Yeah. And I was thinking that really what you should have is like a JSON description of the layout, of the single page layout. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah. So it, it kind of reminds me, you know how like, I know you don't have as much of a background in, in this as, as I do, but you know, when you're using like um, Visual Studio on Windows or, or the like, I think maybe Interface Builder on the Mac, and you lay out, the screen using, um, you know, so okay, here's a here's a panel and here's a container and here are some buttons and you here's just draw a, it with the WYSIWYG tool, right? And then it yeah. it creates the and descriptors, you, and it creates a description of where they are. Okay, yeah. well, this is the color of the border, this is how thick it is, and this is the background, and you just have these different things, and you can also say, well, what's the relationship of this sort of control, say this list box, to its container? Is it is it anchored to the left? Does it resize with it? Stuff things like that, and so you can have this resizable sort of form or window with all these controls on it. Now, when you try and do it with CSS, I mean CSS. I mean you can do some great things with CSS when it's like content driven, but when it's like control, uh, you know, it's control heavy, when it's really just a single page app, it's it's just it completely falls down. 
Now that really reminds me of Sprout Core, which is, oh, is you know, which, which I think is, is pretty much like that. So if I understand correctly, Sprout Core is like coding a Windows app, but in HTML kind of thing. When I say Windows, I don't mean Windows. I mean something yeah, that uses pop-ups and Windows or whatever. Yeah, Sure. So I, th- I think that's the way the Sprout Core works, and they, they do have that. Right, right. So I, I was, I was, because you know, it is just like when um, you know, Guyon uh, took my um, my custom uh, scroll scroll bar mm-hmm. and jQueryified it, and and it was just like it was so complicated. I felt by just you know, you have to set the classes of everything, right? And and he's like, or is the, what's the class? What what class are we going to set to the container div or the scroll div or the handle div or whatever? And you have all these different states. You have all these different classes, and the problem is, is really there's only a very small subset of the um, style attributes that make any sense, right, With it, for, for that type of control. It's, fu- it's funny because I remember moving from raw HTML to CSS, it sort of felt like CSS simplified using raw HTML kind of thing. You know, like right. when, you, when you had to type it out all manually and then all of a sudden you could use CSS glasses and like, oh, it's so cool. I can just use that one simple glass. But then now we've got to this stage where we can, we have so many glasses and we can use them for so many ways. And with jQuery, we add glasses and remove glasses and that's how we dynamically change things. So you're kind of saying, take a full circle and go back to the, well, just focus on yeah, the I guess, specific line. Yeah, I guess what I would say is that, yeah, classes give you a lot more flexibility you know, CSS gives you a lot more flexibility than you actually probably really need. If you have a control that says, you know, really there's only like eight or 10 um, or maybe 20 at most things that you can change about this. Otherwise, it really doesn't behave like a control like it's supposed to. It's just not going to work. Like things have to be absolutely positioned and things have to be, uh, you know, work in a certain way. And, but you have to have all these classes and that's sort of because you have all these sort of um, degrees of freedom, it's easy to get confused. Like, I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to do. Whereas if I said, all right, here's my control, Justin, here's my, you know, scroll bar control or whatever. And here are these seven things that you can change about it. And it's all with options to a config, you know, like a, you know, like kind of an object literal. Yeah. Here are your seven options. It's easy. I mean, it's so easy. You don't have to like, it's not like it takes any. Because um, it's type, it's basically type scroll bar. I mean, that's essentially. Type specific. That's what you're saying. You know what? That's the, way to, that's the right way to say it. It's type specific styling. Okay. That it's is con- the way that flash works as well. I mean, that's the way that, um, you know, you can do. And, and that has its own drawbacks. Because because it, it can be very frustrating when you're working on things in that specific way. But yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. It's not a bad idea. I don't know. I mean, you know, I know there's a lot of pushback because there's there's people who are extreme sort of uh, CSS um, uh, purists, and they're like, you know, they in like you know, CSS styling has to be CSS, and structure is HTML, and behavior is JavaScript, and that's great in general but when you're creating these single page apps with all of these controls on them it just becomes a nightmare to configure everything and get everything to behave correctly when it's just a whole bunch of css styles i find it's just a lot more it's a lot more complicated and confusing than it would have to be otherwise so you're suggesting like a kind of like like we have backbone.js to deal with the interactions of the page you're suggesting some new kind of layout framework yeah, you would just be like. No, I think there was something that um, that Sohail had had brought up on on Google Plus, and it was called uh, QT something. I, I can't remember what it was. And it was it was basically for use like the, there's a framework called QT. It's like a cross platform, um, you know, uh, like a like a application 
yeah, framework, yeah. Not, not for web stuff, but for so um, and you you would sort of describe like you know things as sort of uh, using JSON, um, and I was like, yeah, that is the kind of thing that I would do that could be done, I think, for uh, for single page web apps. Cool. Anyway, yeah, cool. So um, I don't know. It's just an idea I had. I think someone's going to do it eventually because it's just, otherwise it's just, it's just, you know, it's like all these things. It's like in the general, you need all these degrees of freedom, but in the specific instances, it, you can get, you can pick up a lot of ground and things can be much easier if you just, you know, played with these within the confines of this sort of specific um, declarative model, just like with uh, ORMs, right? In general, you need to be able to write hand-coded SQL. You need to do all these, whatever needs to be done. But it's nice if you say, look, well, 95% of the time, if you just, you know, make a few of these, you know, method calls to this object, you're done. You don't have to do any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and you'll be happy and you can move on and do other stuff. Later, you can come back and, and um, get queued if you need to. So were there any um, links that caught your eye this week? Because I know that uh, we've both been pretty busy, so I didn't get any of the links that we, you've been sending the last couple of weeks through. Got a couple. Um, well, one that we didn't really talk about last week was this new book coming, a new book call, coming out called Design for Hackers. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Did you get a chance to, to look at that? I ordered it. Um, it should be here pretty soon. I think when Sandy ordered it for me on her Amazon Prime account, it was like seven to 13 days and I ordered like a week and a half ago. So I should be getting it pretty soon. I bet one of the um, big things is, is space is to just have a lot of space and kind of align things in a nice way. And especially having space between borders and content. Well, okay. Well, there's, well, so the, I think there's a lot of different things about that. There's a lot about topography, right? There's a lot about color theory. Yeah. There's a lot about the use of space and hierarchy and sizing things is all, there's all those different issues and there's you know there's, there's probably others so um, and I don't know if you remember I'm pretty sure I mean I could be misremembering this but I'm pretty sure we had this discussion about a year ago where I was saying that someone should write a series of blog posts called something like Design for Hackers <laughs> and it was like within a week of us talking about that a big blog post showed up on Hacker News by this guy saying that he was going to write this book like he he actually wrote an article, uh, I think it was a big article called like why Monet never used black, I think was the original article that he wrote uh, on this topic. And within like a, and then I, I can't remember if that sparked me saying that there should be a series of articles on this topic of design for hackers taught bringing together all these elements of, you know, color theory and topography and space and all these kind of things that are just fundamental that would really help non-designers be able to design, do at least basic rudimentary design. Mm-hmm. And and then it was like right after that, like he he announced his book, and I was like, wow, <laughs> that was coincidental, you know. Or you think that he was inspired by uh, texting? No, no, no. I'm not saying that. I just think it was just one of those things that is the zeitgeist, you know. I mean, I think. Um, I mean, I mean, it's not like I'm sure it's, there are plenty of other non-designers who are thinking that they wish there was something like that out there, and I just happened to vocalize it on the show. Mm. And, um, you know, I'm just glad he did it because I want to read it. <laughs> I mean, I, I, it's like, I know enough to know what I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, I know enough to know how much I don't know. Like I, I know some basics about color theory. I know some basics about topography and I know some basics about these, you know, these other design things, but I don't know near enough and near, uh, and, and I don't know near as much as I'd like to. So I'm excited about the book because, um, I'm hoping it's sort of like a cliff's notes that it can get you, you know, 
a couple steps further down the road than you than you would be able to without having that knowledge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's as as you and I have discovered with just kind of um, the design process. The design process is is kind of uh, it's kind of waterfall by its nature. Yeah, because you have to. Um, you have there's all this back and forth, and it's like okay, we, you know, it's not like someone's working on something, and then 20 minutes later they go here, check this out. It's like you talk to them, and then it's like a week later, and then it's like, you know, if you don't accept it, it's sort of this sort of personal. Okay, so so you mean this? You mean the design process when you're working with a designer versus you actually doing your own so, design? That's right. So when you work with a designer, it's it's a much heavier process, um, and it can slow things down, and and it's just, it doesn't have anything to do with. Um, the designers themselves necessarily. It's just the fact that you have to work with somebody and it's just like these big back and forth because a designer wants to go off and says, okay, I've got your input. I've got your direction. I understand your constraints. Now I'm going to go off and I'm going to work my magic and I'll come back. But, you know, that's like kind of, a, it's kind of waterfall in the sense that yeah. it's usually a big like, okay, here you go. Surprise. And if you're not happy, it's like, oh crap, you know, now <laughs> what do we do? Right. Which is usually the case. It's, it's, it's only every once in a while the case where you get something and you're like, this is exactly what I want. And if you can get a little further down the road on your own and get closer to what it is that you think you need or want, um, then I think it can streamline that process. And then you can do bring in designers and can be more waterfall later on. All right. That's a wrap. We're out.